The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. And we've had so many great episodes and I can tell by you listeners the numbers are going up and you guys are writing reviews and appreciating what we're doing sharing them around so much knowledge and information is being shared on these shows and it is thanks to Keith Jones and of course our co-host for this episode Mr. Lake Speed Jr. who is back Lake welcome back how are you thank you Joey I got too many Joes in this one I'm gonna be confused but yeah thank you for having me back Uh, looking forward to it uh, me and Mr. Arrington here, probably a better way to count. We have Mr. Arrington and Mr. Costello. We'll use it that way maybe today. Uh, have a history, so this is going to be fun. Yes, Joey Arrington, legacy name in the world of NASCAR, going to be our guest. And when your name is Lake, I guess you don't have the same problem that a guy like Joe and Joey, like we have on a pretty regular basis, Lake. I rarely come across anybody else named Lake. Yes, exactly. So let's bring in our guest. You guys worked together, or certainly worked around, grew up together, spent a lot of time together, got, I'm sure, many, many stories with us, but a a very well-known engine builder, legacy NASCAR family, Mr. Joey Arrington, joining us here on Hidden Horsepower. Joey, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to it, see what kind of memories and things we may talk about here. Exactly. And before Lake jumps in, feel free to say uh, you know, a story about Lake as a young man running around, something that he maybe he doesn't want us to know, those are the ones that we want to know, just so you know. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give that some thought. Give it some thought. Now, Lake, well, talk about how this all got started. Well, it's funny. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, I remember Joey's dad, you know, Buddy Arrington, driving that red and blue Chrysler product back when my dad was first in getting into NASCAR. So, you know, we probably did bump around the garage area and stuff uh, around the same time. Of course, I was a little runt kid back then. So, yeah, no one paid any attention to me, which could be beneficial at times. You know, I used that uh, being small to and stealthy to kind of spy on other people back in the day in the garage area. But, you know, really, the first time I, I met Joey directly was through uh, a couple of gentlemen that uh, Joey knows very well. One is Stacy Compton, who was the driver for us when I was at Melling Racing. And Stacy had won several truck races, you know, uh, doing very well in the truck series. He was coming in up to the Cup Series. Of course, I was Joey built the engines for uh, Stacy's truck team that he drove for. And then the other guy was uh, Ted Flack, who was. I was, I'm sure Joey knows his exact title, but he was one of the big wigs at, at Dodge in terms of the engine program. And that was all when I was at Melling racing, like I said, when we were one of the first Dodge Cup teams when they returned to NASCAR at the Cup level in 2001. Very interesting. Now, Joey, what do you what do you remember of Young Lake and... Clearly, you kind of, the era that you came about in, maybe the most exciting and interesting era that we've seen in NASCAR. So start off with uh, Lake Speed Jr. and what you remember of Lake and his dad and something in in that line. 
Well, I, certainly I remember his dad when he come in and and uh, with his name and his, his carding background and, and and things like that. But I was really surprised, and, and maybe my memory is off now, but, uh, you know, Lake was talking about uh, um, Stacy Compton, who was an outstanding driver, uh, Ted Flack, who was a <clears> – <throat> who was head of the engine program for Dodge Motorsport sports. And, uh, um, but there was another name there. If I hadn't got my wires crossed by the name of Chad Canals, is that true? Lake? <laughs> yes, sir. You do. I mean, we, we kind of omitted Chad from that conversation, but you're right. Chad was the, our crew chief there at, at Melling during that time. And uh, he certainly was a catalyst, you know, to have the, the, the number 92, truck team and yeah there's another guy that we got mixed up in there too when uh after chad left to go do it he ended up doing with uh mr hendrick and mr johnson over there i think we ran that truck with uh some guy named dw is that right yeah yeah some people call him jaws (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, for those that don't follow yeah. the racing circles, uh, Chad Knaus, uh, he's very good. He's a good crew chief. <laughs> like one of the greatest of all times. Uh, guys, just on that note, what was he like when he was first starting out? We know the the highest levels that he has risen to and really has maybe carried the baton that Ray Evernham set out there as like next level crew chief thinking about things that others didn't think about. I think Chad took that even further along. Was he that way as a young man? Did you guys notice that kind of intensity right away? Lake, I, you know, I never worked with, with, uh, Chad, but for me, Chad as an individual hasn't changed since I met him first in, in, uh, in 2000 or maybe earlier than that. So, I mean, he's the same Chad today as he was then. You know, uh, one great thing that I really took from my time with Chad is that focused, serious competitor. You know, that's, that's really how I would define Chad. And that's the reason why I think he's been so successful is that, his laser focus on trying to win, trying to make things better. That's what I've just remembered. The guy walked in the door and I'm sure Joey, you've worked with several crew chiefs over the year. And, you know, the crew chief personality is a very, it's a unique personality, you know, not knocking on any crew chiefs uh, that it, it takes something to be that guy to sit on the box and to be willing to make that call. It takes a certain personality to do that. And Chad's definitely of that cloth, but Chad had a, a drive and a focus to, to be the best to win. Not surprising to me at all that they were as successful as they were, man, did I think they were going to win seven championships? <laughs> no, I don't think anyone saw that in the five straight. But when him going over to, to Hendrick and with Jimmy being successful is not surprising because he definitely, I mean, you saw it when we came in. I mean, just off the bat, we, we got better. And 
it takes drive and determination. Some people can be have their feathers ruffled by that drive and determination. But you know, it's it's a it's a profession, right? It's this is it's not just for fun. People do this for a living, and there's millions of dollars in the line. So your effort and your focus has to rise to that level. And he was never afraid of rising to the occasion in that regard. Amazing. Uh, just the, the the way that different personalities are able to rise to the occasion. Now, Joey, let's talk about you in that uh, you have been in and around NASCAR as an engine builder for a long time. And on the Mopar side of things, with the trucks and bringing Dodge back to the sport, you are a huge part of that and have had a couple of different engine shops. And uh, Race Engine Plus is now what you're doing, as far as I understand. And pretty amazing how you've even expanded into streetcar engines. But I want a little talk, I want a, a little discussion about the shop, what you guys do, what you cover, and why the passion for Dodges. Like, where did that come from as a, as a, a Mopar guy? Well, as far as the passion, you know, I grew up in the Dodge world, and then and then when Dodge uh, got out of racing in the late seventies, and you know, we hung on. My dad hung on as long as he could to uh, eighty one, eighty two, somewhere along in there, and then he had to change brands just simply because we run out of parts. You know, at that time, the NASCAR rules allowed you to, I think, run the current current body style three or four years so you know we still had time left we were just out of parts you know engine parts um and at that time you the manufacturers were the only ones that that made blocks and um you know we made our own cylinder heads then you know dodge didn't make them but you know nascar had started allowing aluminum heads in the races at that time and so we just sort i just sort of got as a Dodge guy, and it sort of led me down the road I'm at now. And and uh, you know, luckily, you know, we were we were ha- we were at the right place at the right time. Uh, one one example of that was uh, myself and Norman Degree and some guy by the name of Ray Evernham. Uh, we were standing in line at at the SEMA show and. Let's see now. This would have been 89, 90, 91, and we all had enough money to get there on an airplane, but it took all three of us to put our money together to get a motel room for a couple of nights. And we, we all walked out of there. Norman had some kind of forward program going on, and so did Ray at that time. And, and I re- were able to reacquaint myself with the Dodge guys, which I had hadn't been in touch with for quite some time and then a year after that dodge kicked off their uh, trans am program with the archer brothers which led right into the truck program in the mid 90s um and at that time even dodge wasn't official officially in the truck program and it was sort of headed up by walker evans who was off-road dodge guy and a couple of others who were sort of race fans of dodge and and they had their own truck teams, and we kicked it off again and started going from there. And then when when NASCAR, I'm not NASCAR, but when Dodge decided to, to get involved in NASCAR with the truck series, which would have been 96, I believe, um, I happened to be at the right place at the right time and have more parts than anybody at that time. And, uh, and it just sort of grew from there. And then in... in um, 
October, November of 99, I got a, I believe it was 99, yeah, I got a phone call from a Dodge group, and they said, be sure and stay tuned to your radio tomorrow. we got a big announcement. We can't tell you what it is. And, of course, they announced the next day that they were going cup racing. So, you know, the, the ride begins again. So that's really about it. And then now, you know, we've hung on this long, you know, trying to stay involved in the NASCAR stuff. And, it's you know, it's getting tougher every day. All, everything is. And we're branching out into uh, the streetcar stuff. And the, uh, we're going to launch launch a website in the next couple of weeks. It'll be um, Arrington Speed Sport. And uh, nice. we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, well, it's going to be awesome. You know, if you look at Joey as well as, as Doug and, and Tony, the guys there in the shop, they probably have a hundred years of race engine building experience between the three of them. So you're, <laughs> so you're not going to find a lot of places that the, the guy that's got a challenger or Camaro or, or whatever that wants to tune it up, but wants it to still be reliable and not just tuning it up and then blowing it up. You're gonna have a hard time finding some guys that haven't been there, done that, and know the the right ways to make power that's durable. Yeah, that's kind of the, the hidden horsepower aspect of things. They they know what yields the biggest return on investment. They know what things are sketchy, can get you in trouble in in how to run an engine efficiently effectively but also within the the confines of safety to a degree i mean if you think about it in, in nascar you're talking about 500 mile races uh, i know the truck series stuff you know they when they first started having to run multiple races after the first place that nascar went to with running multiple races was in the truck series and so when you when you, when you think about making power it's one thing make a lot of power short duration but when you're talking about having to make power and make reliable durable power then those three guys over there as good as anybody you're going to find at having real world experience doing that so i I think it's going to be a great asset to the performance community to have guys with that level of experience available to take care of the new enthusiast the guy that's just getting in to this world of octane and power and adrenaline that we all love, great place to go to. And plus, you know, the shop they have there is second to none. You know, he, he mentioned him and Ray and Norman Degree being at the SEMA show. Well, Joey's shop is Ray Everham's old engine shop from when they had the Gillette Everham Motorsports. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's still here. A lot of stuff is. It's still red. There's a lot of Dodge parts here, and, you know, we, we use them every day. And, you know, we've got four dynos, a chassis dyno, and two Spindrons, and probably 25 CNC machines. And uh, um, and we're going to apply all of this toward our streetcar efforts. So let's And, you know, and I'm going to add – I'm going to just throw this in there just as a quick because I'm sure not everybody remembers it. I'm not so sure that Lake would even remember it, but I'm not going to say – Fortunately or unfortunately, it's just the way it's, again, it's sort of timing. <clears throat> you know, when when, my, when I was early in my career, certainly the um, 
early 20s and stuff when when nascar got away from big blocks you know it's uh, it took for the people that were seriously running for championships when nascar first started when nascar first uh implemented the small block 358 cubic inches in most cases especially at speedways it took two two small blocks to finish a 500 mile race and you know it it some of the race teams got it, got it down to 9, 12, 15 minutes to change motors during a race. I don't know how many people remember that, but, you know, that was part of development then. Uh, and now these days, you know, the type of development they were doing then on a racetrack, you do in your dyno sales and test sales like Spintrons and metal, um, um, you know, you just, you know, when you go to the racetrack, you're almost 100% when you get there. Now, amazing the arc of what you've seen, and it gets me excited to hear your opinion on the new engines, and you mentioned uh, the cars that are out on the street, certainly what uh, FCA is putting out, the fact that you can get cars with like you know 800 horsepower from the factory, it's insanity, and uh, you guys will be able to turn the wick up on that even more so with the experience you have. I want to talk about that, but I got to hear about Maurice Petty in that your experience in the genuine, in the heart of NASCAR, started almost as a child. I understand that you were working on engines as, like, an actual kid. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the connection to the Petty family, just so that everybody that's listening understands, like, that you've been there since jump? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, I used to ride down to Petty's with my dad all the time. You know, we'd go down there and get parts, and this goes back to, certainly the late 60s and on into early 70s. And then when I got my driver's license, I'd go down there too. And, and you know, they were they were a they were like any good competitor, no, no different than, than uh, Lake was talking about Chad or any of the other greats. You know, they were high-strung. You know, you, you'd walk in some days and they could have had the best Sunday one, one would ever imagine, you know. And, and but, but it's behind-the-scenes stuff that you're not aware of that they, they have to deal with. And, and I, I finally figured out I'd walk in down there and and uh, I could see Maurice and and the, just the look on his face and I'd turn around and just leave. Uh, you know, <laughs> I knew it wasn't worth, it, it wasn't worth the conversation. But I also went, when I went down there and, and things were going good, you know, his arm went around me and we went back in the engine room and he said, "Now listen, son, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to keep your mouth shut." look and learn and listen and you, a couple things that happen nobody know how dumb you are to keep your mouth shut and <laughs> and if you happen to learn something one day it'll pay off so but he they were a great group all of them and um uh, you know i couldn't i could never repay them especially maurice for for certainly things that that i have been exposed to and in, in my years in racing what about the you mentioned the parts and I can't help but think that the uh, the parts that you were dealing with at the beginning were cutting edge, but compared to what you're dealing with now are probably primitive. But I want you to talk about that, right? The things that the factory is rolling out and what they're capable of. And, and of course, we're going to tie that into the piston rings. And we hear all the time with Lake and, uh, and, and the, the fact that Total Seal is able to make things that once upon a time nobody even imagined were possible. Yeah, well, you know, the cutting edge really is a is is a term that 
probably most people don't think about, including myself. But, you know, if you go back to the early 70s, cutting, cutting edge for a racing part was basically a, 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 a lathe or a, or a grinder in your hand, and you took a stock part and, and, and trimmed it and filed it and cut it into a, a race part. And that's the fact. You know, you used streetcar rods. You used uh, street crankshafts. You know, the, certainly the cylinder heads come out of streetcars. You know, when they first, again, when they first went to small blocks, I'll never forget, there was a, there was a, two cars in 1970 that Chrysler made, and one of them was a, a TA Challenger, and the other one was a, a AAR Barracuda. And those things come with a, what they call the TA engine, which was a special race block that they did not sell over the counter. You know, they put them in the vehicles, and they sold them on a, on a dealership floor. And I can remember sitting at stoplights, twice in california and those cars pull up beside of us and we just roll down the window and say hey man you want to sell that engine and we'll we'll, we'll give you 500 bucks for it and, and give you another engine to go back in it and at that time you could buy a regular 340 at uh, uh at salvage yard you know for 50 or 100 bucks and we bought a couple of them like that but anyway that's <laughs> you know that's sort of how it got started and and you know now that <clears throat> things move on and you know with different softwares and computers you, you can do these things at your at uh at your fingertips and use a lot better material and everything sort of cnc you know everything starts out as billet anymore just about and and then when you tie it all into the streetcar stuff with with the things that you can do internally with again you know with ring seal you know certainly lake is is on top of all that and, and you know with the boosted engines and and uh which you know, for an engine builder, for for us anyway, it, you know, they're not like naturally aspirated. You got to treat them a little differently. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you know, you got a thousand horsepower, and it's like, how did you get there? And and you know, how does it live? And it just does. I mean, today's technology with pistons and rings, and and uh, certainly all the other things that we do that that this sort of a standard issue anymore. You just it's surprising, and you know. We do the engines for those uh, Trans Am cars out of Florida, the ones that looks like the 77 Trans Ams smoking and Bandit, and those things are like a 1,000 horsepower, 1,000 or so foot-pounds of torque, and they drive them every day to the grocery store. Isn't that crazy to think <laughs> that, that, that you, there's a 1,000 horsepower streetcar that just runs around town, and you were talking about you know getting the motors from the guys in California at the stoplight I remember my dad built, you know, which is back then it was a you know, Bush Grand National car in 82, 83, sometime time frame right around there. We went, I remember going with him to the junkyard in Jackson, Mississippi and buying a motor out of the junkyard. And then he hauled it up to um, Aberdeen, Mississippi to a guy named Bobby Brown that, you know, if you remember Bobby or not, he used to do some stuff for uh, Bobby Allison's short track stuff, not the cup stuff, but the short track stuff. And, uh, yeah, so Bobby did, took that motor, and like you said, you you didn't buy parts for it necessarily. You took it apart, and you you ground here, and you weld there, and some epoxy, and next thing you know, we almost won the Daytona Bush race, almost won the Daytona, or the, the Charlotte Bush race that year. With the motor that had been in the junkyard nine months before, <laughs> and that's just how it was. It's better now. They said now you get the stuff in the factory and just, just 
thousand horsepower from the factory. Yeah, but it's better now, right. though, right, Joe? In that, uh, in that, you know what you're working with. Like I think of all the dimensions of cylinder walls that I'm sure was, uh, you know, maybe unreliable at the time, and you didn't really know what you were dealing with. Certainly hoping you got a good one, like you said. You're trying to buy engines out of people's cars as they're passing by. Nowadays. The manufacturing process is so much more stable. I think that you're pretty confident that you've got good, good canvas to work with, regardless. Well, you know the the material that they're using now for blocks and cylinder heads and valve seats mm-hmm. and valve springs and camshafts are, is just unbelievable. The things, the things that you, and you know, one example, and I'm just going to use the camshaft. Uh, when when NASCAR was using flat tappet cams, that's all that was allowed from from um, 2000 and 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 15 and back. And when Dodge first come back in it, the camshaft that that we used, the cam profile, the design that we used in in 2000, let's say 2006, 2007, was the same profile design that we used back in 1975 but the material of the cam and the lifters and the and the material and and the processes of the valve springs it allowed you to be more aggressive with the uh, rocker arm and and it was just amazing that you could take a, a engine that went from if you if peak power back in 1973 74 was probably 550 to 600 horsepower and now all of a sudden you're at 900 horsepower, but you're using the same cam, but you got a, enough rocker arm on it that's got another 100, 100 and 150,000 lift in it and valve springs that'll tolerate it. So it's just, it's amazing at what materials and machining processes has done alone. Just, oh, there's no doubt. Some, uh, you know, like I said, I'm looking at, uh, staring at my desk right now, I'm looking at a 2008 cup motor, uh, you know, billet camshaft that's, tool steel this m2 tool steel and then just next to it's a dlc coated flat tappet lifter like i said it's the same concept part that you had back in the 70s but using the dlc doing the tool steel that material advance the coating advances have transformed what you could do with parts and i know that that's something that's applied you know, the Total Seal was able to apply and help kind of transform what Total Seal could do for the professional racers. Now you don't have to have this big cast iron piston ring that's molly-faced anymore. Now you can do uh, a stainless steel or even a tool steel, very thin piston ring that is PVD coated with, you know, titanium nitride or tungsten that allows that lower friction allows that better conformability to the to the bore that you couldn't get from those older materials because the material just didn't have it in it to do it you know joe it's it's you know late lake sort of touched on it when i i bought i moved into the shop in 2010 late 2010 and over in one of the corners, it's a room over there, about ten by ten. And I don't know if I don't know if Lake is next time he's here, I'll show him. But there's a room over there, and it's got equipment tucked tucked over in the corners. Probably fifty thousand dollars worth of uh, 
um, cylinders with uh, lights in the bottom of them and, uh, and like a, a, for sake of conversation, a thing that you'd sit on top of the ring. It looked like a gasket. And that's how you inspected your rings to see if they were round and true or not so they'd fit the cylinder. Mm. And, you know, they had to do Light gauge. every single every single every single piston ring like that especially when you know when the dodge people got back in it from from early 2000 on up to probably 2010 or 11 and anymore the the rings are so good you just and and plus the 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 machining of the piston you just don't think about it i mean you look at it but you never have anything that's uh that's out of spec anymore Wow, that is amazing. That is interesting in that in every business, like you get a piece of equipment that's important right now, and then the technology advances beyond it, and then that piece of equipment is not useless but not needed anymore. And to think that you guys are are doing that visually inspecting piston rings, and now the technology has advanced. What what has it been like to watch that happen, though, Joey? In that uh, you know you know you know Lake personally, and so you guys are able to relate to one another. You said 2010. Well, it's only 2020, so 10 years. In 10 years, this has advanced rapidly. Oh, yeah. And everything has. You know, it's, it's you know, probably the best example that everyone touches daily is a cell phone. You know, if you go back mm-hmm. to 2010 and, and look at the phone you had then and what, what they have out there today, well, you know, the engine technology or just machining technology is the same way. Um, you know, it's just a little bit bigger than... It's, well, it's a lot bigger than what you can fit in your pocket, but it's it's amazing that, it, that the things that happen now is just at your fingertips. Um, I, I can't keep up with it. I mean, it's just it's. You, you said you know what do you think about it? Well, you know, in some ways it takes it, it takes a lot of the hands-on away anymore, and you know that's what a lot of us enjoy. But it's just a way of life. You know, it's it's no different than. No different than picking up a phone 30 years ago or 50 years ago now and having to put your button in a little hole and and, <laughs> and turn it clockwise and let it tick back until you got seven digits, uh, six digits in in the system to and somebody was on the other end. So anyway, for, just things change. For, for all you kids out there, he was describing what is called a rotary dial telephone, and uh, you can probably find a video of one on YouTube somewhere. well you know funny it makes me think joey this past summer when uh we i was still working at driven and we wanted to do the oil testing on the the gp1 oil i contacted you because you have the best facility you know just for an off the ship off the street guy to be able to walk into a full cup shop like you said four dyno cells two Spintron, CNC machines, all the testing equipment that you can imagine, the best of the best, is at your shop. And so I contacted you to do the dyno testing over there, and you were gracious enough to let us come in and have the controls and do the testing that we, we were doing. That little CT525, you know, crate motor that you can buy for less than $10,000, made 550 horsepower. You think about you. Here's this: you just buy it and you just put it in the dyno. And it makes 550. Where how much work you had to go through with those original small blocks to make 550? You know, 30, 40 years ago. It's just kind of it just that 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 contrast hit me just then to think about. It's just turnkey. 
you just you don't think about it. You just go buy a phone today, and yeah, it's going to have your email and the internet, and you can ask Siri, and she'll tell you something. You just don't <laughs> even think about it. And it's with the horsepower and the reliability of those engines, because yeah, you think back, you know, when your dad was was racing, and my dad was first getting in NASCAR. I, I know my my dad when he was driving for Haas Ellington and did a little bit for Roger Hamby, those guys, it was nothing to use used parts because they didn't have any budget. So they would run out of Junior Johnson or somebody's scrap pile. And I think one year my dad, like, either finished top 10 or blew up every race out of 17 races. And then he had, like, five top 10. So guess what? He only finished five races out of 15 or whatever it was. They blew up all the time anymore the reliability of the parts were so good that you just forget that stuff blew up all the time back then well you know it's like it's most people may not realize it but today's today's cup races you know they're running engines two and three times now so the engine is in the normal season which is not this year but in a normal season you know with practice and qualifying if there were practice and qualifying, you know, the engines would be going um, 1,700 to 1,900 miles in a weekend. Right. I mean, in three weekends. Yeah. And when, you know, with and, the valve spring change, and that's it. Yeah. You think back 2000, 2001, that's before they, you know, you still had qualifying motors. Yeah. So you'd show up at the racetrack with a practice motor swap put in a qualifying motor swap after qualifying and put your practice motor back in then swap for happy hour and put your race motor in because oh my god you didn't want to put any uh, a mile more than you needed to on the race motor because you were going to blow up yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of kind of wild to, to 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 think about those connections and but again like i said it's the material technology the coding technology and then the the tools, the machinery. I think about um, you know, profilometer, the ability to measure that surface and characterize it and to a level that you can look at it and see that it looks a certain way, but then the ability to measure it within micro-inches so that you can make sure that you have the proper load-bearing surface, that, that un that unlocks a whole nother level of performance and durability that you just can't get with a visual inspection and say, Oh, that's looks good. Well, what it really is. And, and, this, and the same thing with the profilometer transfers over to CNC machines and you, what you can do machining wise. Like I said, the piston guys, you don't have to think about it anymore. They can machine that ring groove for a, 0.5 millimeter ring and be able to give you two tenths of a thousandth clearance and you never even worry about it do you no it's like i said it's it's amazing and what what the manufacturers have made have made our life a lot i'm not going to say it's easier you still go through the same steps but the the there's just no there's no um, bad parts anymore. It doesn't seem like I mean, it just they're not out there. 
So let's uh, let's yeah. let's advance the conversation in that. I'm I'm pretty interested to hear this. Uh, we always joke about uh, you know engine builders. Lake or, or or Keith Jones, the guys at Total Seal will want to try something. You know, we want to make it smaller, and the engine builders are like you can't do that. It's it's too small, and then it ends up working. Uh, Joe, your side of that, the development, the pushing it forward, uh, ideas, concepts. Maybe you didn't think it was going to work, but it did. Some of the things these guys have maybe come up with uh, that you adopted early that ended up working out. That kind of deal, and and on the con the converse to that as well. Just uh, in terms of what's possible. Things are possible now that you didn't think were possible before. What's going to be possible? That that kind of conversation, I'd like to hear your opinion. Well, you know, it's I sort of touched on that a little earlier, but, you know, if you go back to, again, if you go back to the mid-'70s when, when NASCAR was, was had switched to the small blocks and, and uh, from, technology, from a technology-wise standpoint, materials, it was just straight cast iron and whatever else was out there. <clears throat> And um, just the machining capabilities, uh, you know, if you had a part that broke, the answer was add more material. That was the answer. There, you didn't have an option of a different material then. It was just make it more robust. Um, looking back on it, you know, that probably wasn't the right thing to do, but that was the answer then, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Um, but, you know, and, and, and then when you go back and you, and you just sort of pinpoint one, one area that the, that really has advanced the most and you've gotten the most out of it would go back, go back again to the camshafts, you know, with the different materials and the coatings. And then of course on lake side of stuff, you know, if, if you go back to the old days, you had a, a piston ring that was a, a 16th, 16th and and the three sixteenth that had a molly field top ring, and the, your second ring was cast, and then the standard uh, uh, oil ring, and the stuff was just big. It it wasn't round, it wasn't flat, it wasn't any above. You, you know, you you had I'm not going to say high leak down, but you had leak down, you had oil consumption, and now these days, it, uh, you know, Total Seal Ring Company, they they got a a piston ring that's the width of a a pencil line and an oil ring that's maybe two pencil lines and the stuff is outstanding. I don't know, you know, I don't know what, you know, you put it in, you crank it up, by the third dyno pull, the the thing is sealed up and it's making power and it's like, well, here we go again. You know, we're going to use these things for three or four races and we finally throw them in the trash when we say, oops, we better not use them anymore. You know, you just don't wear them out and they just, they they do a job far and beyond what they're what you're used to. It's just amazing. And just and um, you know the capabilities and and the and the thoughts the thought that goes into building parts like this with the materials that are available today it just goes on and on and on. It's 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 um, surprising to me. You know, next thing you know, you turn around and now they're going to have a piston ring that that's a half a pencil line <laughs> width wise. <laughs> maybe if we had all those good parts back in the day when you put the nitrous on that engine it wouldn't have been blown in half oh yeah yeah, yeah maybe. you gotta tell that story yeah you do, gotta tell the story about nitrous do tell oh okay well we, we were we were at an event no, no, we were at an event 
and um, uh, it was during practice, and and I seen a, a lot of smoke and haze and a lot of stuff go up, and and uh, here come at that time the car was solid red, and here he come down pit road, and there was all this stuff dragging underneath the race car, and it's like what in the world went on? So anyway, finally rolled into the garage area, and we jacked it up and put it on stands, and the the whole the back half of the engine with uh, half of the flywheel and some parts of the transmission when we got the car up in air to take the engine out was still laying on the concrete and uh, we've got pictures of that in my shop here now and with the half of the engine in the bottom of a 55 gallon trash can and uh, and the engine the engine is hanging up on a on a uh, lift or excuse me half of an engine is laying up is hanging on the lift where we took it out and it was all because of of um, the unknowns and in, in this case it was unknowns and some youngster thought he knew so <laughs> that, so your first experience with nitrous you like you literally blew the motor up not just up like you blew it no, apart in half we blew it in half. yeah yeah it, 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 be, it become an explosive not a not a power adder. <laughs> power adder, not a power adder. It would just become explosive. But anyway, uh, that was our first first try out try at it, and that was our last. So we, yeah, but we figured now, out there was a safer way to do this. Yeah, but you said earlier though that the boosted engines like something different, and going from the naturally aspirated world of nascar engines to messing around with now these uh these boosted engines and you know how popular it is everybody loves it and uh, it seems like it's everywhere a lot of these cars are supercharged or turbocharged or otherwise has that been has there been a learning curve with those boosted engines as well well yeah the, yes it has been but you know technology now is is in place and you know the equipment to do it with and it's uh you know if you if you if you pay attention to what you're doing you can tune those things in to where they, especially if it's a, a turbocharger or a supercharger, you can tune them right into to a, 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 a very reliable power adder that's uh, affordable. And you know, un, unlike nitrous, you know, if you start messing with nitrous, you got you got to have a little bit of chemistry on your side as far as getting the mixture right of air, fuel, and the and the power adder. So you just got to be careful there, or you have a you'll have a, a snapshot to hang on the wall. <laughs> but but we wouldn't change it because that's got to be an amazing photograph uh, to to have. <laughs> Lake, final thoughts for Joey as we uh, will be, begin to wind down. Of course, I've got my uh, question that I ask of all guests about uh, experience and advice for the upcoming engine builder that is going to be the next generation. But do you want to tie it all together with any final thoughts? Well, I think the interesting thing that Joey just said about his, you know, nitrous experience and then talking about the power adder motors is the word tune. And I think it's something we kind of throw around loosely. Oh, you just tune it and, you know, this guy's a tuner or this or that. But in reality, you know, a guy like Tony that works uh, for Joey, you know, was a track tuner. And then obviously Joey's got experience doing that and, I think about, you know, me and my dad even doing the vintage go-kart racing stuff. It's your, your tuning. And I, 
I'll let Joey expand on it, but I think that's really kind of the essence is that, okay, with all the manufacturing capabilities, the advanced materials and coatings and getting the surface finishes right, and we, we obviously talked about the advancements in lubrication. When you put all that together and all those things fit together properly and all that, you can still blow the motor up. None of that just means that it's not going to happen. The, the real final piece, even back when they didn't have all that stuff, was the ability to be that engine whisperer, to listen to what it's telling you, to know what to look for. You know, like you said, you have the technology now that can tell you a lot of those things that you didn't before so that you can make sure the engine's happy because in my personal experience and i'm joey's got way more of that and i'll let i'll kind of serve this up to him and let him carry it from there if the engine's happy it's probably going to be very reliable you can make power but the engine not be very happy and you're probably not going to have a good day well you know that it's you're exactly right you sort of got to the the worst thing you could do is rush it you know, if you if you've got an engine that's that's a performance engine, and you're trying to make get the most out of it, um, there's there's baby steps to get there. That's the right way to do it. Have have all the air and fuel instrumentation that you need to do that, and make sure that you got all the right components underneath the the tuning stuff that you do, such as pistons, piston rings, to 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 stand up to it because you know. It's like anything else. When you start adding power, you, the parts need to. You don't use the same parts for a naturally aspirated engine as you do a uh, a boosted engine. So you just you got to make sure you have all that instru- instrumentation to to get it dialed in. And once you're there, you know you just you're going about your business from stoplight to stoplight, and you got a very happy engine. And you know if the, if you happen to feel good that night and you want to get after it, it stays with you instead of embarrasses you on the side of the road. So, <laughs> That's not the that's not the AAA call you want to make, right? Yeah, you've got right. your thousand horsepower Camaro, you know, Pontiac Firebird done up, and it's it's on the side of the road. That's not looking too good. No, and your best buddy's gonna and will never let you forget it. Yeah, that's no. exactly correct. That is exactly correct. No, it's been very interesting. I love the fact that. Uh, your arc of experience has gone from the days you described of digging engines out of junkyards to now some of the most advanced stuff uh, rolling out of these cars, and they can be a- improved upon, which is amazing. That uh, the factory rolls them out, and they still have a lot of potential in them. And now you're delving into that world, Joey, and you're gonna, you're, I'm sure you guys are gonna create some amazing things. Well, just ho- I hope everyone that's listening just sort of keeps an eye out for. Uh... Arrington Speedsport, and we got some new exciting things coming, I hope, and and um, see what happens. So I always ask at the end of every episode with a very experienced engine builder uh, with the idea that there are some younger folks listening to these podcasts that are interested in engine building as a trade, as a profession, that are going down the road and are going to carry this sport and this, uh, this whole industry into the next decades. Is there a piece of advice that you would like to uh, forward on to them 
that could maybe make their life a little easier, a piece of experience that you'd have, you'd like to uh, impart onto them the next generation of engine builder who might be listening? Well, I'm going to just as a quick story. Uh, when Dodge come back in, in 2000 and announced they were going to uh, cup racing, I was in a small town in Virginia called Martinsville. Um, I needed I needed some things, but more importantly, I needed a school there, a college program that had a motorsports pro that had a motorsports program. So we put our heads together with uh, PHCC, designed and developed a motorsports program that I feel like for a, for a two year college is really second to none. Um, but the short story is stay in school, pay attention to math, and try to go hang out at any kind of race shop, whether it be a car shop, engine shop, or all the above, as much as you can. And if it looks like there's nothing to do, grab the broom, sweep, clean the floors, and watch what's going on around you. You will learn, and the people will respond your efforts that's how you get in the door but don't don't think for one minute that you're going to walk in and think racing is cool and become a part of it, it it's 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 a passion for most for some people it's a career and it's a competitive career so you just pay attention stay in school hang out at a race shop or or try to go in and work work after school, after hours, whatever they will let you do. Love it. Love that's it. That's my advice. I love it. I think that's good advice. Lake, final thought for Joe before we let him go. Well, he, he hit the nail on the head when he's saying that. I had flashbacks in my head to pushing the broom around the shop at L Speed, Inc. as a kid. And, you know, just being around and, and watching and learning, that is the way to do it. And I was also reminded – by something Joey said earlier that Maurice Petty told him that I think also that goes. So just repeat Maurice's uh, wisdom again, Joey, because I think it's fitting to repeat it again now. Well, keep your mouth shut and no one will know how dumb you are. <laughs> it reminds me of what you know, Ron Shaver said, right, is, is that being a humble, be willing to listen and learn you know it's the old thing you people say uh, god gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason you should listen twice as much as you talk and i struggle with that i do a lot of talking but you need to pay attention and listen and uh, humility i think is a big step and i tell you what's neat though you know joey and i were at an event back earlier this year uh they did in kansas city and uh, weather's you know, if you that time of year, and that was kind of right around all this COVID stuff started to hit. So we didn't have a great crowd there, but you still had, you see the passion that people had. Despite all the obstacles, people still show up. And there's young people who are still getting involved in this. So that to me is, is that having that passion is the key. If you've got a passion for this stuff, if it interests you at all, follow the wisdom he just gave you and, Good things are probably ahead of you. Joey, great job. Thank you very much for joining us on Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal. I could tell you guys are buddies from way back, and I uh, really appreciate you uh, giving us some insights and thoughts about uh, you know the old school and the new school. 
He blew up a block in, in half with nitrous. <laughs> like, all good stories. We really appreciate you taking time out for this episode. It's been a pleasure. A- anytime, sir. There he goes, Joey Arrington Lake. That was outstanding. First of all, this guy is a young man hanging out with Maurice Petty and comes up through the golden era of NASCAR and then is a big part of the program that brings Dodge back to NASCAR. You may recall how huge that was the time that it all went down and, uh, of course, now is carrying... Uh, performance into the next generation of technology with new Chrysler cars, et cetera, and about to launch a new business. Oh, I know. It's something we say over and over again. It's kind of a cliche that, oh, this guy has forgotten more about X than I'll ever know. I mean, that's like literal truth with Joey. He's seen more stuff through the NASCAR ages and development of engines from the other big block era to the small block era than I'll ever know in my life. So he's such a humble guy to really not say all that he knows. But again, what did Maurice tell him? Right. <laughs> right. right. He, he's a disciple of Maurice. And then, you know, to work with you know, Chad and, and all those things, he's a great guy. It's, that's reason why when I had the option to say, okay, you're, I'm going to go dyno a motor. I need some help doing some testing. First guy I called because one, he was close by and, and all the resources are there to do what he needed. So it's great. It was awesome to go and have him on the show. I love the fact that he, when setting up his own uh, engine shop, they went to a local school and they got them involved. And his advice to the young people out there, and maybe I'm just fantasizing about these young people listening to the show, thinking about the sport carrying on to the next uh, couple of decades. But I I met them at NHRA drag races, and I know that there is a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid out there, guy or girl, who wants to build engines, that wants to know the right way, and hopefully they're listening to this show. The advice that they're getting from our guests, and, and that included, you know, pay attention to math. Often people will be like, ah, what do I need? No, you got to pay attention to math. If you want to be an engine builder, you want to be a machinist, you got to pay attention to math. Go to an engine shop, pick up a broom, be that kid, be the humble kid, be dis- unlike uh, the stereotype of the modern kid that wants to walk in and become the head engine builder in the first week. <laughs> be, be something different and you will go far. I thought it was great. Great advice. Great episode. And I, I appreciate it, Lake. Excellent work. And so concludes another edition of Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. Final thoughts for the audience, Lake. And I know, uh, I know what you're going to say. If they're working on a project, they need to call you guys. Yes, exactly. Like you said, we, because of, all the material advances and the things we've learned over the ages, that wisdom is sitting in Phoenix, Arizona right now. You can pick up that phone. You can call 623-587-7400 and talk to Kevin or Keith or Bobby. Those guys, they've got that 100 years of experience, too. And they've worked with the Joey Arringtons and the Mark Cronquist and the Ed Pinks and the Ben Straders and the Jason lines, that wisdom is available right now. We can help you understand your project better in order to be able to get the right rings for your application. And not just a set of rings that fit, but it's the right material, the right design 
in order to optimize the performance of your application. That's what we're really good at. And those guys are sitting there waiting. They're ready to help. So hopefully if you're working on something, you're listening, give us a call. We're here, we're here to help and want to help. There you have it. He's Lake Speed Jr. I'm Joe Costello. Lake, thank you so much once again. Great job. Thanks, Joe. And that's going to do it for this edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal. You can go to social media, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Follow Total Seal's uh, social and you'll get new episodes. But of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, write a review, share the show, share it with your friends. I know that they're going to like it. And the numbers have been going up and up and up. And that's great because people realize where can you hear Pat Musi and Jason Line and Ben Strader and Joey Arrington and Keith Dorton tell their story. Stories uh, along the way and give advice to the up and coming engine builders. My name's Joe Castello, and you can follow me at WFO Joe. I also produce the WFO Radio podcast. Super excited to knock this one out, another edition in the books. And stay tuned because coming soon there will be more hidden horsepower.